Hello, everyone. I want to thank you for watching online. You know, I've always said this, and it's really coming true during this time. The church is not the building. The church is you. And I just want to thank everyone that has been going above and beyond, reaching out to people around you, loving your neighbors, helping the elderly with their medicine and food runs. This is the time the church shines and shines bright. So thank you for being the church. It's a pleasure to be with you the, today and this weekend. I'm going to be talking about a message called, Even in the Dark Time, There's Hope. What do you do when you feel like God's not there and you're looking for an answer and you're not getting the answer that you want? This is a three-week series on the book of Habakkuk. On Tuesday night, Pastor Joe was preaching kind of a summary of Habakkuk, and I texted him, bro, you're preaching my Sunday morning message. And he shot back and said, Pastor, we're on the same page. I love that. We are on the same page. And we're all in this together. And we're time, during this time, is a time for us to unite and be together in unity for the glory of God. The inspiration behind this series was a book written by Pastor Craig Rochelle. He's one of my heroes in the faith. And he wrote a book called Hope in the Dark. And during that book, he shared a very raw experience that he had through the sickness of his daughter and her not getting well and the pain and the agony that he went through. And he shared a book that is so important on the book of Habakkuk. During this series, I'm also gonna share some of the toughest, darkest times that I personally have walked through in my walk with the Lord, even as a pastor. Some very difficult times and having to wrestle with God as well as embrace God at the same time of questioning what God was doing. For me, in 2014, it was just a very, very difficult time. When I took over the church in 2010, we were in bankruptcy. And it was a very difficult time economically. We were going through the recession. And the church I inherited at that time was very, very stretched with their finances. Our mortgage, it was in special assets. It was just a hard time. So it was a difficult four years that I went through from 2010, 2014, just to keep our church together and to continue to move forward with the call that God has on Countryside Christian Center. The foundation that was laid so strong from our founding pastor, Pastor Lloyd, was passed to me to move on from here to do even greater things. That was God's heart all along. And so in 2014 in November, I received a call and my brother, unexpectedly passed away in his home. I was already tired. I was already worn out. You know, some people would describe it as a time where I was really leading on empty. And when that happened, my world was turned completely upside down. It was already hard and going through a difficult time, but it threw me into a deep, dark depression. Here I was, a pastor that wasn't supposed to feel depressed. But it wasn't just oppression. There were times that I felt absolutely hopeless, in despair, shame, feeling like, how could this happen to me? I'm a pastor. God, this isn't fair. And I reached a point where I just cried out, God, help me. I need you. I'm not giving up. And God showed up. This is exactly what was happening in the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, there's not a lot of information on him in the Bible. He's only even mentioned during the three chapters of that book. But he's one of 12 minor prophets. The minor prophets, they didn't play in the big leagues. I guess they were in the minor leagues. But 
most prophets back in those days, they would speak to the people on behalf of God. They would get a word from the Lord and they would speak to the people, share with them the prophecies or encouragement, lift them up. Habakkuk was a little bit different where he would cry out to God and represent the people to God. It was a very interesting time in history. It was 600 years before the birth of Jesus and Judah was in a free fall. They were prosperous, they were doing so well and then they ran into some very, very difficult times. They went, from they went from prosperous to absolute poverty. They went to a, a scene of injustice and corruption, violence. Habakkuk was beside himself. He was confused. He was hurt, disappointed, and even angry. He would cry out to God, why are you allowing this? You could stop it, but you're not. So the question that I want to go through today is, what do you do when these kind of things are happening? Number one, for those that have your notes, you can fill in your notes here. Those that don't, I encourage you to take out a piece of paper, write these things down, because whether you're going through this time now, you will at one point. Every believer goes through different times and seasons in their walk with the Lord. So number one, why doesn't God seem fair? Why doesn't God seem fair? As we look at the first chapter of Habakkuk, Verse one, it describes a vision, and then, and then the Hebrew word there was utterance and burden. It was a doom that was being told to Habakkuk. And we're gonna start in verse two here. It says, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? What I love about Habakkuk is he's raw, he's real. He's not given a lot of religious jargon, but he's crying out to God with really how he feels. God, these are your people. This doesn't seem fair. Why is this happening to us? He's honest. And his name has a very distinct meaning, which kind of tells the story of the book of Habakkuk. His name in Hebrew means to embrace or to wrestle. Now, I wanna warn you today is not a normal Pastor Glenn message. There's not gonna be a lot of joking around. It's not gonna be a time where we give a, set up a scene, and then I encourage you, throw in a couple jokes, have the Bible verses to cross maybe a little bit of tension, and then give you a happy ending where we all go on our way, go to the salad bar, which the restaurants are closed anyway. That's not this kind of message. But it's a message that all of us face at one time in our life, and so often we feel so guilty that we're even feeling the things that we feel. I know a lot of people right now in the midst of what's happening with the virus and the quarantines and the uncertainty with jobs, the economics, what's gonna happen when all this goes away, what's gonna be left economically, and some people are facing this crisis right now, which is causing them to question, God, where are you? I'm your child, I'm doing things right. Why aren't things going my way right now? A lot of people are at that point. This is where Habakkuk was in this moment. What do you do when there's not a rosy ending to what you're going through? Like a job, you lose your job, it doesn't get better, then you face bankruptcy, and you feel like a failure because you're in a job that is so far beneath what your qualifications are. What do you do when that happens? How about if you love your spouse, but your spouse cheats? 
doesn't apologize, blames you for their cheating, and then leaves. What about the virus? Things are not, these are not going well for me. I lost my job, I'm on furlough, and now I've got a health crisis. What am I gonna do? I don't know what my future is gonna look like. For a lot of people, you say, I've been faithful, I read my Bible, I pray, I serve, but I've still got migraines. I'm still struggling with depression. I can remember when I was going through this with my brother, the de despair and depression. And then well-meaning brothers and sisters in Christ would come up and they would say, Pastor Glenn, you just need to preach your way to victory. Really? Really? They're well-meaning. I think their theology's good. But it wasn't the time that I wanted to hear that or needed to hear that. Some people would say, well, your brother grew his angel's wings. God needed Stuart in heaven more than he needed it on earth. I heard all of those lines. And sometimes people feel that pastors are stepping up in this crisis and just giving you lines. We're not giving you lines. We're giving you God's word. That even when God doesn't make sense, He's good, he's faithful, and he's there. God, why are you letting this happen to Judah? You're not doing anything. God, where are you? This isn't fair. Moving on to verse three. Why do you make me look at injustice? This is happening. Crying out to God, why? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? It doesn't make sense, God. This isn't your nature. Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. Habakkuk's struggling. He's a prophet, he loves God with his whole heart, but he's in a battle of understanding. God, you don't seem fair right now. I don't understand what you're doing. God, if I were God, have you ever done this? If I were God, I would do it a completely different way. I would do it this way, this way. But guess what? We would always screw it up if we did it our way. God sees the ending before the beginning. God knows the end of the story. So often we focus on the middle of the story, the beginning of the story. God's not written your last chapter yet. And this is where God is here. Habakkuk, he has problems with God. He doesn't understand what's going on. So what do you do when you have problems with God like Habakkuk does? Number one, you don't really seem to care, God. Why are you allowing this to happen? Why is this happening now? It just doesn't seem fair. I feel like you've left me. Your word says you'll never leave me, but I feel alone. Number two, you aren't doing much when you could. God, you're sovereign, you're all powerful. In a moment, you could speak to this virus and it would be gone. God, why aren't you speaking to the virus right now? And number three, what you are doing doesn't seem fair. Is it okay to question God? It is. One third of the Psalms were prayers and songs of people that were hurting. The authors of uh, Job, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, Jeremiah, they were expressing confusion and pain and unbearable suffering as believers and faithful, strong believers. Even Jesus on the cross the man that had no sin became sin. God turned his back because he could not look at his son who became sin. And there on the cross, Jesus stood and questioned God. My God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus, in as big a time of a crisis that he'd ever faced on that cross, had questions for God. For so many people, maybe they find God in a crisis or a situation that they're in. Maybe they're seeking after God and they're right here at this starting point. This is the starting point of most people with a relationship with the Lord. They get saved. They hear a great Sunday morning message from Pastor Glenn right on. Boom. So exciting. Every time they go to the church, it feels like the message is just for them. Every time they hear a worship song, that's my song. Waymaker. Yeah, miracle work. I'm but then what happens and it happens to all of us. Life happens. And when life happens, that's when it gets real with our relationship with the Lord. Maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe it's a loss. Maybe it's a loss of a job. Maybe it's a loss of a relationship. And you go from being so excited, everything is perfect, to you reach a point where it's like, man, Pastor Glenn really, he didn't really say much today. I didn't get anything out of that message. Huh. Waymaker, I'm so tired of that song. Can't we play another song other than Waymaker? And then we begin to question everything that's done. And so many people, they reach this point and they walk out of the church and they walk away from God. I wanna encourage you, during your crisis moments, that's not the time to walk away from God. That's the time to embrace God, run into his arms and seek him. You see, God's faithful during these times. In Psalms 23, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In our walk with the Lord, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be mountaintops. There's going to be valleys. But I want to tell you, don't serve God faithfully because of the mountaintops. We're not gonna be able to live in the mountaintops because it's during the valleys that we truly find intimacy with our Lord and our Savior. Stay faithful in the valleys. Stay faithful in the storms. He'll never leave you. He's our shepherd. He cares for us and he loves us. As we move on with Habakkuk, there's questions that he has about God. He's in a personal struggle. Here he is, a mighty prophet. One of the books of the Bible written by Habakkuk. And here he was in a faith struggle and a crisis of his own personal belief. We all have times where we question God. But it's during those times of crisis that we really know who God is. And we experience the goodness of God. But the key is this. You don't quit. You don't quit in the valley. You don't quit there. That's when you dive in deeper and you trust God. This is God's response to Habakkuk in verse five. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for what I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe it. I'm getting ready to do something unbelievable and you won't even believe it. Even if someone told you I was gonna do this, Habakkuk's thinking, finally, now this is the God I know. Finally, God, you're coming through. And it wasn't the way he thought it was going to be coming through. Verse 6, God says to Habakkuk, I'm raising up the Babylonians, the enemies, the one that's causing all these problems. 
Can you imagine? God's raising them up. That ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They're violent. They are feared and dreaded people. And they all come with intent of violence. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way Habakkuk thought it was going to be. And there he was. It makes no sense. It's not right. Once again, he's at that crisis. And next point in your notes is this. A committed believer can both wrestle with God with honest questions and embrace a genuine faith with God. Let me read that again. A committed believer can both wrestle with honest questions and embrace a genuine faith in God. Last week in the book of Mark, I talked about the father with his son that was demon-possessed, and his father was desperate to see him healed and delivered. And at the end of that, he just said, I do believe, Jesus, but help me to overcome my unbelief. There's going to be times we all walk through times of doubt, but we need to pray, God, help me to overcome my unbelief. Verse 12, Lord, are you not from everlasting my God. And this is, the, this is the battle. Here he is. He's embracing God while he's battling God and wrestling at the same time. God, you're my everlasting, my, my God, my Holy One. You will never die. Embrace, embrace. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. Wrestle. He's wrestling. My rock have ordained them to punish. I'm wrestling. But your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Embrace. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up the moral righteous than themselves? It was a wrestle of his faith. Habakkuk was battling with God, not understanding what God was doing, trying to trust, trying to stand strong, even though the circumstances looked absolutely grim. It's during those times you need to understand a few things. First, Understand that God knows and understands your pain. He knows what you're going through, and he does care. He welcomes your questions. I've told people before, it doesn't hurt God's feelings. He's a big God. He's a big boy. It doesn't hurt his feelings to question things that you might be going through, questioning your feelings. God would rather you yell at him than to walk away from him. And a lot of people, they yell, and then they leave. When you hit your wall, when you hit your crisis, when you have that time of doubt, your burdens, don't deny those. Let your doubts drive you to a God that loves you. Let your doubts, let your crisis, let your pain drive you into the arms of a God who loves you and is a nurturing God. This is where I was six years ago. I was right there at a crisis where I wanted to quit. I wanted to stop the pain. Even thinking about it now, it's overwhelming to see the goodness of God through where I was. I wasn't suicidal, but man, I did not want to wake up to feel that pain every day, to feel all alone. Thousands of people around me, but I, I felt alone. It was dark. I was weary. I was stuck in shame. I had no idea what to do. I prayed all the prayers, I read the scriptures, and I felt like God wasn't hearing a word I was saying, but I didn't quit. I kept getting up. 
I kept trusting God. And it was difficult. And there's a little part of the book that I want to read to you now. It's, it's from Hope in the Dark. And I hope this encourages you. It says, what if honestly acknowledging your doubts is the first step toward building a deeper faith? What if embracing your secret questions opens the door for maturing knowledge of God's character? What if becoming closer to God, developing a genuine intimacy with him, requires you to bear what which feels unbearable? To hear him through the omnibus utterance, to trust him in the moment of doom, to embrace his strength when you're weak with a burden. What if it takes real pain to experience a deep and abiding hope? Habakkuk, he wrestled, but he embraced God at the same time. He was tempted to quit, but he didn't quit. Sometimes it's not gonna get better. Sometimes it's gonna get worse. But through it all, we have to trust God because we know that God knows God's good. Sadly, we're ending today in chapter one. There's no good end to the story in chapter one. There's no miracle at the end of chapter one. You see, a lot of people, they quit right in the middle of chapter one. They quit believing. They, qu they quit trusting. They quit hoping. They quit looking to God. They quit worshiping him. You see, chapter one for me was the end of 2014, all of 2015, all of 2016. I was in chapter one. There was no miracle there. Nearly three years of feeling hopeless and despair in a dark, deep depression. But God wasn't done. God didn't end in chapter one. You see, there's good news that's gonna be coming. Chapter two doesn't look much better, but it's important that we come to know God with real faith, that we don't run from God during a crisis, that we embrace God in the midst of despair, in the midst of our valleys, in the midst of our pain. Because I'll tell you, for me, the end of 2016, a lot of the church knows this, but I know a lot of people are watching online that don't know my story. This is a big part of my testimony. But in October of 2016, I had a massive seizure and almost died. I was in intensive care for, for three days. I was in critical care. They didn't know what was happening with me. They thought I might have had a stroke or something with my brain. But what God did mercifully for me was he healed me. It was that seizure that healed my mind. It was that seizure that took me out of depression. I went from utter despair and depression to the point where I felt joy for the first time in three years. I felt peace. I felt passion. I wanted to be in the pulpit. I couldn't wait to preach after three years of just having to do it, having to do it, doing my best, but feeling like a failure. It was at the end of 2016 that I truly embraced God for who he was. It put me in a different place. It put me into a different place spiritually. I became a different pastor. The way I love is different. The way that I reach out to people, I have a deeper understanding for hurt, depression, anxiety. I had to go through the things that I went through so that I really could walk in the fullness of who God called me to be. God didn't just call me to be the Glenn of the first five years of, as being a senior pastor. He had so much more for me, but I had to walk through the darkest of valleys, the lowest of lows,
the deepest of pains to recognize the goodness of our God, to realize that he doesn't just love the people I'm preaching to, but he loves me. It took me a long time to really embrace knowing that God loves me. He loves me. Glenn Davis, God loves me. I couldn't understand that. But in 2016, for the first time, to understand the very depth of the love that God had for me, it revolutionized my life. It changed everything. And that's what God wants you to understand. He wants you to know in the midst of what we're going through as a nation, as a church, individuals, you're not alone. It's in these times of crisis where spiritually the rubber meets the road. Here we are. Develop genuine faith. Allow God to meet you. Ask your questions. It's okay to get mad, but realize that God's arms are always outstretched to you. He knows what he's doing. He knows that this is going to change a lot of people in a lot of good ways. I'm hearing people say to me, it's changed my marriage. Now we're treasuring our time at home. Now we're intentional with our time with our kids. We're not just spending all the time on our phones or working 12, 14 hours a day, but we're really treasuring what's most important. It's helping a lot of people see what really is important. In the end, our money, we can't take our money with us. We, take, we can't take material possessions with us, but our family, our loved ones, being a light for God. I've seen people that have witnessed for the first time in their life. They said, I've never witnessed before, but God opened the door for me to be a light to my next door neighbor. Who would have ever thought giving your neighbor a roll of toilet paper was gonna be a great witnessing tool to reach someone? God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Be open. Embrace God during your times of crisis. Embrace him during those times because God's faithful and God's good. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for a church that loves you, a church that's running after you. And even though we all go through our times of crisis and hurt, pain, despair at times, Father, we're gonna embrace you all the way through the valleys, through the storms, through the pains, through the losses. We're gonna embrace you because you're making us better. You're making us stronger. You're building our faith in you to greater heights, stronger than we've ever done. That's what I pray over these people today. Make them stronger spiritually than they've ever been in their entire life, stronger now, that they'll look back and say, look what God has done. God's in the middle of a miracle. I believe that. I believe that God's God is right where he wants us to be as a nation in the world where he's gonna shine brightly. But there's people that are watching right now, maybe you don't know God. When I talk about an intimacy with God, you don't really know him that way at all. A lot of people, they think going to church is what they need in order to have a relationship with God. Guess what, I've been preaching for the last couple of weeks to empty chairs. You don't know how hard that is to preach to empty chairs. Nobody's saying amen to this message. So I hope you're putting in some amens as you're watching online. But you see, it's not about the church. Jesus is about relationship. He loves you. He desires a relationship with you in the midst of whatever you're going through. His arms are outstretched with his salvation, with his strength, looking for you just to say, yes, Lord. For those that want to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, I know there's a button that says, yes, I received Christ today. Hit that button. 
and pray with me because today's the day of salvation. Your life will never be the same when you embrace your relationship with Jesus Christ. To know God himself through his son, Jesus. What a gift. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are. You're faithful. You're good. You're right on time. Father, today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Father, forgive me of what I've done that's wrong, that doesn't please you. Today I embrace you, my God, my Savior. I accept you into my heart. Change my heart. Change my life. You're my God. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. And becoming my very best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, we love you. We're here for you. We're standing strong in faith. Continue to lift up each other. Continue to pray for our church. Continue to pray for me. There's times that it gets hard and weary and there's difficult decisions that are having to be made every day. And I need you to have my back as we pray together and we believe together for the miracle that's on the horizon for this world. In Jesus' name, amen.